You're listening to The Tarot Diagnosis. I'm your host, Shannon. I'm a licensed psychotherapist, and I also happen to have a love for tarot. Each episode, I invite you to reflect with me as I work to demystify the tarot and the human experience, all while exploring tarot's connection to mental and emotional health. While this podcast may feel therapeutic, it is not meant to take the place of psychotherapy. So grab your cards and join me as I work to create a pathway to better understand ourselves and those around us. I am so excited to introduce you all to one of my favorite people, and I don't really know many people who can say that about their accountant. (laughs) Tony Cola is a seasoned tax and accounting expert who has been serving small businesses and their owners for over 15 years. Tony has dedicated his career to serving his clients at the firm of Cola & Cola. Through his education at the University of Central Florida and the University of South Florida, where he obtained his bachelor's and master's degrees, respectively, and a decade and a half of experience, Tony has honed his craft, gaining unparalleled expertise in meeting the unique accounting and tax needs of small businesses and their entrepreneurial owners. With his passion for empowering small businesses, I know firsthand that Tony goes above and beyond near number crunching by offering clients encouraging and empathetic support and guidance as they embark on their journey as an entrepreneur and business owner. And he sits down with me today to pull cards and explore what we should know and what we should do if we are thinking about starting a business. Hi, Tony. Hi, Shannon. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am busy, but that's a good problem to have. I am good. It is. You know, and I appreciate, because I know you're such a busy person, taking the time to talk to me today because we've been talking about having you on the podcast for forever. (laughs) And not just because I enjoy talking to you, because talking to you is so fun, but I do feel like our listeners would really benefit from your knowledge and experience because, I mean, you know this, but for me, you've been a total lifesaver. Well, thank you very much for the kind words. It's very rare that accountants get to be called fun. That's not <laughs> something we usually hear, but I'm, I'm all for it. That's great. No, and I really enjoy this stuff. You know, I do taxes for a living. I help people maintain their books, but my passion is really helping small business owners. I tell people, you're not born with this knowledge. Mm-hmm. This isn't an instinct. You've got to fall on your face several times to learn this stuff. And I just try and help people kind of get through that process because it's challenging. Absolutely. Like even just the way you talk about the like accounting and money is just, that's what really drew me to you. Because I remember several, several years ago, I'd gotten to this point in my therapy practice where I was like, holy shit, I'm a legit business owner. I'm making enough money to support myself. I'm going to owe so much in taxes because like I don't have things set up appropriately. And I ended up finding you and your firm and, you know, you just did such a great job at being so personable and really teaching me and walking me through things and making me feel so calm about this whole process. So yeah, I just really appreciate where you, like how you approach this because it's true. A lot of accountants, sorry, like no offense, you know this though, like don't necessarily have the same kind of energy that you do. So I really value the energy that you bring to this this whole side of the business world. Well, thank you. And I, I really appreciate that. You know, referrals are the biggest compliment. You've sent me, I don't even know how many, literally <laughs> 20, 30 over the years. Probably. So I am extremely thankful for that. 
And that is how you grow as a small business, right? There are firms way bigger than me, have a marketing budget bigger than I bring in in gross revenue, right? Mm-hmm. But how do you get attract clients? How do you get clients? How do you maintain those relationships and grow? And you have to have a differentiator. And for us, I was never going to be the biggest, the smartest, the whatever. We were going to mm-hmm. have the best service, right? We were going to really try and educate people. And I've got lots of corny sayings I will use during this whole process. <laughs> um, but one of them, I tell people, I said it today on a call earlier. I say, I have a selfish incentive for you to succeed. Absolutely. Right? I hope you're a roaring success. The smarter, faster, better you are, the more success you'll have. Hopefully, you bring me for that ride, right? As you expand and grow and do what you do through your career. And I tell people... If you go under, guess who doesn't get paid? Me, Mm -hmm. right? I need you to be a success so that you still need my services and whatnot. So thank you for all the praise. It's very humble. Thank you. No, I mean, because you really have been so important. And it's interesting because, so (laughs) I know like some people might be thinking, wait, you have a tarot and mental health podcast. Why are you talking to an accountant? But it like, it's... It fits. There are so many people in the tarot world. In fact, there was, you know, because we have this membership community and I had mentioned a couple of weeks ago in one of our meetups, I was like, um, someone was talking about really wanting to start a business and how they were feeling about it. And I was like, oh my God, you're going to be so excited because I'm actually having my accountant who I also refer to as like my business advisor <laughs> on the podcast. So it does fit because I think not only do you personally approach this whole like finance and business accounting thing from like that perspective, but you also have, you know, this like ability to encourage and calm people down, which I think is like the mental health component because owning a business, being an entrepreneur can be really overwhelming and stressful. And especially when you're doing something that isn't necessarily quote unquote related to business, like unless you went to school for business, you weren't really taught anything about the finance side or the accounting side. So it can be really overwhelming. And I think a lot of people in the tarot community, the mental health community, totally understand that because our job is to help people, just like your job is to help people, but just in a totally different way. So having people like you is really important. Oh, well, I agree with everything you just said, right? It is overwhelming to be a small business owner. And something I try and educate people on, because I speak to a lot of people who are at the infancy of the going out on their own, right? Being mm-hmm. an entrepreneur, and they don't know up from down. And why would they? They went to school to be an engineer, to be a doctor, to be a mental health clinician, whatever they do. And they're great at that field. But you don't cover how to file a 941 payroll tax return. Why would you, right? It's boring stuff that I handle. Why would you learn that? And again, you're not born with this knowledge, right? So you've got to learn it. But that's only step one of the overwhelming part of that process. I tell people, I'm a CPA. I've been doing this 15 years. I'm very good at doing taxes. I could almost do them with my eyes closed, literally at this point. I know the forms by heart and everything. (laughs) I would guess I spend 20 to 30% of my day, if I'm lucky, on billable work that is really kind of derived from my background, right? That I am doing, completing a corporate tax return or making, you know, checking in on somebody's book, something like that. I spend the majority of my day working with small business owners and really running my business. I've got to help my team. I've got to put out fires. I've got to do billing. I've got to do all these things that are not unique to being an accountant. They're unique to being a small business owner. Right. Which is why I'm so excited to talk to you because I feel like you do have that really unique perspective of like everything that encompasses being an entrepreneur. So 
I, I really want to pull a card to open the episode. And before I do that, though, I want to commend you because you are the first guest who's going to be on this podcast who has zero knowledge of tarot. So <laughs> you are, I know that you're probably doing something so outside of your comfort zone. So thank you for being willing to hang out and try to talk tarot with me. <laughs> I have supreme faith in you. You and I have been doing our thing together for a long time now. So you tell me this is going to be fun. I believe you, but you are right. I know nothing of tarot. So I apologize in advance to listeners. I'm going to be <laughs> learning on the fly as Shannon teaches me about these cards. You'll be totally fine. Because you'll, you'll see as I pull cards how they relate to just the human experience in general. And you'll be like, oh, okay, I get it. All right, so... The first card we are talking about today is the Three of Pentacles. So the Three of in the Three of Pentacles is perfect for really opening this discussion because Pentacles in general typically represent are just like earthly experience here, but also they can represent actual money because Pentacles are also referred to as coins in the, in the the tarot world. But the Three of Pentacles really embodies collaboration, skill, and effort. So when it comes to starting a business. This card reminds us of the importance of laying a solid foundation. And because it's early in the suit, the three, it represents kind of those really early stages of a project when you're planning and you're really excited to bring your vision into reality and you're thinking about maybe end goals and not thinking about the like nitty gritty behind the scenes things, like the things that we're not taught about <laughs> when it comes to starting a business. And it really highlights the significance of teamwork and seeking support and guidance and mentorship, which I feel like I've gained all of that from your, your relationship with, with me specifically. Well, thank you. That's very sweet. And I would agree all of those things you said are critical, right? So a big thing I am a firm believer on is making sure you've got a good internal and external team. Right. And what does that mean? Well, your internal team, right? We're referring to the people who actually get the work done every day. And that doesn't mean, let's say, let's pick your profession, for example. That doesn't just mean practitioners, right? Mm -hmm. You could have admin support. You could have an HR department. And that's obviously for a much larger size firm at that point. But getting those people in the right places, right? Not everybody is a good fit for every position. So making sure that works. But in the beginning, I would worry more about my external team, right? Finding a good accountant, right? You do need to make sure your tax planning is handled for you throughout the year. Payroll processing, entity selection, lots of boring stuff I do all day long, but it's very important and critical. And something I tell people is spending some time getting that right on the front end may take you an hour or two. But if you make a mistake and you now have to go back to the IRS, it is like an act of Congress sometimes trying to get something simple fixed. I have special practitioner lines I can use and methods I can call with. It takes our team sometimes, especially during COVID, we would call for days before we could get through. So clients would get frustrated. Hey, you said this was a simple fix. Why isn't it handled? I physically cannot get a hold of anyone, right? So spending that time on the front end, lining that stuff up, and that goes for insurance and banking and other things as well, getting that team built, going through your contacts, your referral network, finding out good people, who are well-versed in small business, right? You may be excellent at accounting and all these things or picking stocks or whatnot, but if you've never done it at a small business level, that might not be the right person for you. Oh, that's such a good point. And so I'm looking at this Three of Pentacles card and it's really cool because I love the way you're talking about internal versus external because the three figures in the card are 
outside of this building. So we can think of like the inside of the building being the, the internal aspect of the business. And this person, like this person who's talking to these two other people are on the outside. So that's the external, like you're referring to. And I love also that you're talking about the importance of making sure you're doing your due diligence to make sure that the people that you're seeking out to help you to be that external team fit with you. Because I remember before I found you, I actually interviewed probably three or four other accounting firms. And I was getting to the point where I was just like feeling really defeated because I mean, I clearly remember this one meeting where (laughs) I went in to meet this person and the office, I felt like I'd walked into like some sort of time warp and it was like from the 70s and this was like you know 2018 2019 maybe and it was no one was around I was like shouting down a hallway hello I'm here for my meeting and then I you know they walk out and they're like annoyed that I'm there and I walk into their office and they're just like not making eye contact with me they're sitting behind it was so bizarre just night and day difference to when I found you all. And I mean, when I say you rolled out the red carpet for me, you rolled out the red carpet. (laughs) I remember I walked in and there was like this chalkboard that had like, welcome Shannon on it. I was like, what is this? It was amazing. But then the way that you talked about small businesses and really made sure to focus on developing a relationship with me was huge. And that's when I knew like, okay, these are my people. So really, it's also like making sure, same way with therapists, you should be interviewing multiple therapists. If you just meet with one therapist and you're like, oh, I don't know, it's like, okay, I guess. Like the your experience in therapy is not going to go well. It was the same where I had to meet with, you know, multiple accountants before I found you. So that process can also be <laughs> overwhelming, but it's really important because like you said, if you screw up and you make a mistake, you want to know that the people who are a part of your external team, really have your back. And I know that you have my back. You described the relationship aspect. And I think that is huge. When clients call, they are interviewing me as they should, right? Make sure I'm competent, make sure I'm an expert in the field they're looking for help in, all critical stuff. I am interviewing them. Something I always ask, why are you leaving your current account? Mm -hmm. And if they say something like, they retired, I've moved, something very normal. Oh, no problem. If they say I've had five CPAs in six years and they're all jerks, okay, so I'm going to be the next one on the list, I'm all set, right? That's not a good fit, right? And something, one of my many corny, corny phrases that my mom came up with this one, she says, and this applies, I think, to therapy a lot as well, if you win them on price, you lose them on price. So if somebody mm. walks in and the first thing out of their mouth is, how much did you get that return done? Oh, the guy down the street is $5 cheaper. Go. Have a lovely time with that guy down the street. I wish you the best. If you want a team that's been doing this a long time, right, experienced, all that stuff, those people are not easy to get. They're not cheap either, right? So in order to have those things, it costs money. And hence, we pass that along kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. I would definitely go for that relationship in anything you're doing. You're dealing with a lawyer, a bank, or any of those things. If you walk into Chase Bank, they do none of us are size. They don't know who you are, right? Mm -hmm. You're Shannon, you're account number one, two, three. Oh, hey, I know Joe. Joe's the branch manager. Hey, Joe, I'm trying to get a loan or I've got these weird fees or can you help me with it? And you can get help, right? So those relationships really help you kind of grow as a business and can also be part of your referral network going forward. Oh, absolutely. And even just, you know, now I'm thinking too, 
the importance of not feeling like you have to do all of this on your own. Because now that we're kind of talking about like the how important the relationships are that you're making in this world with people who are more experienced or knowledgeable in certain aspects of what you need as a business owner is huge, but it can like, I know like I've struggled with this where you feel like you have to be able to know or do it all on your own. And sometimes you have to be able to just say like, no, it's okay. that so-and-so's an expert and does this. I'm allowed to trust this person or work with this person. And like, that's, what's going to allow your business to grow. If you're sitting here trying to do this completely on your own and like, I know I've been a hypocrite and you've actually like, you're constantly like, Hey Shannon, have you hired any admin people yet? Um, but like that, and you've talked about this personally too, which I think this also comes into play with the three of pentacles is making sure that you're not just isolated in this process and that you are trying to figure out, okay, who's an expert over here? What do they do? Who's an expert over there? And how can they help me with with my business as I either already have one or as I seek to build one. I agree hundred percent. And think of it in your personal life, right? If you had some issue with your foot and it required surgery, would you be Googling that and trying to do that on the weekend yourself? <laughs> no, right. You would seek out a professional who's done that a million times who can help you with that. This is no different. It's very overwhelming to look at a new company and think, oh my God, I've got 47 things to do. I don't know how to do any of them. I'm just a whatever I am. We'll pick mental health clinician or in your case, how am I going to do this? You know, it's the old elephant thing. How do you eat the elephant one bite at a time, right? So you just go item by item on your list, find somebody who can help. And when you find a good attorney who helps you get going with things, can help with your licensure, whatever it may be, ask them, hey, do you know a CPA? Do you know a banker? Do you know a financial planner? Odds are they do. And that referral will go a long way, right? Google reviews are great. That's not a bad way to go at all. Certainly read those and whatnot, do your research. But getting that personal touch, oh, you came from Joe. I know Joe. We've been working together a long time. You know, It's just a great way to continue to build your knowledge base and your external team. It can also help you build your internal team. Uh, somebody very valuable on my team, and everybody on my team is valuable. I have a team full of rock stars, but somebody very valuable on my team was a client. She came in to pick up her taxes. I'd always really connected with her and her husband. She had a great temperament, personality, always made me laugh. She literally came in one year to pick up her taxes, and I ambushed her. Like, I'm not kidding you. I, like, you know, shy of physically pushing her in her conference room, was like, hey, sit down. I said, I'm going to hire you. And she said, for what? I said, oh, I need some help with admin stuff. She said, I don't know taxes or accounting. I said, I'll teach you that. Don't sweat that stuff. She had a great attitude, right? Great work ethic, great personality. And that's something that we do and something to keep in mind if you're going to go on your own. Mm. There's a lot of people who do what we do. I'm an accountant. I am not special. There's a million people who do what I do. You can get your taxes done at Walmart now, right? I am not <laughs> special. Why are people going to come to you? Why are they going to stay with you? And why are they going to refer to you, right? What is your competitive advantage? What is your differentiator versus the other people in your field? And figuring that out, something I figured out a long time ago is I like small businesses, right? I could go after public work. I could go after big firms. I could do big audits. This, it's not what I enjoy. I enjoy those small business owners who are trying to figure it out and helping them grow. I just get a lot of satisfaction from that. So that became my niche over time. Ooh, I love that you naturally segued into like finding your niche because a lot of people I feel like shy away from that. And that is something that I find really valuable. And when any, anytime anyone says like, no, like don't find a niche, like do, you know, just be general or whatever. I kind of cringe. I, 
okay, maybe that works for some people. And I'm sorry, like, no offense. Like if that works for you, that's awesome. (laughs) But I have found personally and with a lot of the other business owners that I work with, it is really important because it's like you can really focus your energy. And maybe also, maybe that's what the three of pentacles is. I didn't even think about that until you just said that. It is referencing too, like instead of trying to put all your eggs in everyone's basket, you're over here going, okay, well, where's the small community that like, I feel like I can really put in my effort and energy and really make a difference instead of spreading myself thin and trying to please everybody. So I love that you brought up niche because that's, I think, really important. And that's what you do. That's what I do and multiple ventures. And it, I feel like also helps lessen the pressure that we experience to even if you have that, like I have to do it all, knowing that you're just focused on like one particular area helps just focus your attention. I agree. But yes, finding that niche. So in the beginning, right, we used to joke that in the beginning, our standard was ring on a new client. Will your check clear, right? Because you're hungry. You don't have a choice, right? You were mm. scared. You're out on your own. You have bills, all this stuff. So you may have to be more general than you like, right? Or that you really wanted to be kind of thing. But as time goes on, where are you creating the most value for your clientele, for your customer? How are you going to reach them in that way? Once you find that nerve, you can strike with them in a positive way for, hey, this is the value I bring to the table. For me, it's helping small business owners. I think that's my max value, helping them run their companies and expand. Once you figure that out, then the snowball starts to build, starts to build automatically for you, right? Because those people will refer and whatnot. And then you can get into much better pricing model as well, right? When you're focused so much on, well, I'm providing this service that everybody does, it's a very competitive pool, right? Lots of people are doing what you're doing. There can be a little bit of a price issue there. Well, the guy down the street is $5 cheaper, and I perceive this as the customer to be the same service. So I'm going to save the $5 versus, hey, I get a lot of value talking to you, dealing with your company, getting your product or service. It's different. It's better. I feel more value from this. Now you can go back to them and say, well, there's a premium for that, right? You're not trying to gouge anyone, but you can establish that, hey, I'm worth a little bit more or a lot more because of the value I provide. I find people are very willing to pay for things they find valuable. It's not necessarily cost, right? That's why some people drive a Honda Accord and some people drive a Bentley, right? Now, of course, there is who can afford it. Don't don't get me wrong. I know that exists. But somebody who's, I have lots of clients who have money, more money than they can spend, and they do not want to drive a Bentley. They don't care. They don't get the value from it, right? They may want a nice car, some kind of Lexus, $40,000, $50,000 car, that's fine. But even though they could write a check for two hundred and fifty grand for that Bentley, they don't want to do it. They don't get the value. So how are you providing value to your clientele? That will help you reestablish your pricing and kind of push the whole venture forward. Yeah. You know, talking about value is important too. And it's so interesting. Like I had no idea that we would be (laughs) diving into all of this just off of one card. I'm going to pull more cards in a minute. I feel like this is fun so far Uh, because value now I'm realizing not only is it the value of the service that you're offering, but a lot of folks, and this is like where more of the mental health comes in, you struggle with identifying your own value 
and I see this, like my best friend's dealing with this right now. Like she's starting her own business and I see how much she's devaluing her own service. And I'm like, you don't understand. (laughs) So it's really difficult to see other folks who um, maybe don't see their own inherent value in what they're offering. And I'm sure you see this a lot too, but you know, I think that takes time as well. Like getting used to being a business owner, running a business and knowing like, wait, hold on. No, like, what I'm offering is valuable. My time is valuable. My, my skills and my services are, and you know, here's what I'm charging and money is so difficult for so many folks. And that is such a roadblock to try and get over to when you're starting a business, because especially when you're in the service and helping field, like I am like, Oh, that's been such a struggle over time, knowing that like, here I am in this field that I genuinely really care about the folks that I'm helping, but I also need to pay my bills and I need to eat. (laughs) And that can be really difficult to get over. And I think that just takes time. But also going back to the three of pentacles, talking to other people like you or like other entrepreneur focused folks who are helping, who maybe are a part of your external team, getting their feedback and not living in your own kind of personal echo chamber is really important because then you do devalue your services. So talking to people like you who are looking at your books and saying, okay, well, here are all your bills. Here's everything that's coming out. Here's what you're going to owe in taxes, but you're only charging this much. We need to talk about this because this isn't sustainable. That value establishment is tough. You know, my dad always says a phrase, it sounds good if you say it fast, right? Meaning it sounds easy. (laughs) We just blurt it out there. But I will tell you, I've been doing this 15 years. I would say it took me the better part of 10 to gain the confidence to tell people, no, that's a tough thing to do as a small business owner, right? You're afraid, you're hungry, you're scared, you're trying to grow this thing and having the confidence to tell somebody, hey, I want $5,000 to clean up this mess you had. Now, this is my world, right? Obviously not (laughs) therapy, but I want $5,000 for this. Well, I don't want to pay it. Well, I don't want to work for free. So that's okay. You know, if you walk into the Mercedes dealer with $30,000 and there's nothing on the lot for $30,000, they don't lower the price. They Mm -hmm. tell you to go to the Honda dealer down the road, right? You can tell I like cars. Anyway, so um, (laughs) that value thing is tough. It really is. It's a confidence thing. It really is. And so what I would say is when you're doing that broad work, it's tough. It's tough to try and push a little weight around and say, I'm really good when you look like everybody else. That's my opinion. doesn't mean I'm right. Look at Walmart. They're multi-billionaires. But I think for small businesses, it's tough to try and do that very broad thing because there's a lot of competition versus, hey, I dive really deep on this particular area and I'm elite at it. Then you get paid, right? If you need some very, I don't know, high-end eye surgery, whatnot, and the doctor says it's 10 grand, nobody really bats an eyelash. You say, okay, Mm -hmm. I've got insurance, we're going to pay because I want the best guy for this, right? So establishing that value internally, you're right, is definitely a struggle. I do this for a living. I kind of help people along this path for a living. And it took me years to get that confidence. So don't beat yourself up. It takes time. But kind of know that's probably a goal to work towards as you kind of find your niche. Absolutely. So I just, I just cut the deck because I was like, all right, we should probably talk about a different card. <laughs> and I pulled 10 of wands, which is, it's, it's a heavy card. It's really talks about like the 
the weight of responsibility because it's a person like carrying 10 wands on their back. They're like hunched over. Clearly they're like, ah, oh, shit, this is a lot. <laughs> so I feel like this card speaks to maybe the challenges that we face as we run businesses or we think about becoming an entrepreneur and also like the importance of finding balance because, you know, also the 10 of wands, I mean, this person's clearly dedicated to carrying all of these wands on their back. And I feel like it could also symbolize maybe all of the the goals and the visions that we have. And we're like trudging along, trying to like bring it to fruition. Uh, but there's that component of also being maybe burdened by a lot of the responsibilities and demands that come with running a business or hitting roadblocks and challenges. So I'm curious to have you just speak on that aspect of being an entrepreneur. So it's a lot of pressure. It is. And you think of that's compounded under the other pressures of life, right? Family, children, relationships, all kinds mm-hmm. of things, financial. I mean, there's, there's lots of things out there. So something I do and I'm really big on is when somebody comes into the office or I do a Zoom, whatever it may be to onboard, I ask them, do you want your significant other to attend? Your husband, your wife, or whomever it may be, do you want them to attend? And they sometimes they look at me funny And I say, well, they should know what they're getting into also, right? This is not just you who's going to be now having to work late and all this stuff. And for people who think when you go out on your own, I'm going to golf every Friday, it's like, no, you'll never have another Friday off. That's kind (laughs) of, it's more how this really goes. (laughs) But you don't have a boss, which for those of us who don't want a boss and can't really have a boss is where we kind of have to go. But um, anyway, and so getting, make sure you've got your other support systems lined up. And obviously in your world with mental health, you know how valuable this is right. and making sure your spouse knows what we're signing up for. Cause you guys collectively and your family being away mm-hmm. from your kids, working those long hours. I can tell you, I can think of two very specific stories of people who I knew very well, who I would consider elite at their trade at what they did. Two separate guys who were business owners. Neither of their wives were really on board with what they did. Um, They didn't really want them to go out on their own. They thought it was a mistake. And both of those guys failed. And they ended up kind of having their companies debunked and it just didn't work out. Now, is that because of their wives? No, not at all. I'm not at all saying that is the case. But do I think they would have had a better success, excuse me, shot at success if they had the support of their families? Yes, Think of anything you try and do in your life. If you are carrying around these 10 stones, right, that's a heavy weight. You need help. So making sure the significant other is involved and at least understands, okay, if I'm going to step into more of this role, I need, I, I may need more of your help in that role kind of thing. Oh, yeah. You know, and that's interesting because I feel like that can, I, w- I wonder, would that be more internal or external? Like, I love that you were talking about the internal versus external support with the three of pentacles. And now I'm like, wait, is that like a whole other support system in and of itself? Maybe, but it makes sense because, you know, if you, and this goes for like partners and friends, like significant others. So you do need to be, ha- be able to have those conversations of here's what's happening in my life. And I know you might not be able to help me, you know, carry these wands Uh, you know, but you will be able to help me over here, like when I'm not in this space. So being able to have that open dialogue is really important. And now that you say that, I remember you even asking me that, like, hey, like, do you want your spouse here? And I was like, that's interesting. But I might have even have said to you, well, like, 
they're not involved. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You don't traditionally (laughs) think of it. Right. Right. So I think, again, that's why I felt like I struck gold with you because, but it really speaks to making sure that the people that you keep around you as you are venturing off to start your own business and do your own thing have the same values that you do. And I know like the 10 of wands isn't necessarily the value card, but that's really, again, what you're speaking to. Like, I felt like you and I aligned so much. So it is important to be able to say, well, hold on, like who, who are these other important people in my life that can help, might not be able to help me with my business, but are still going to be able to recognize maybe when I'm reaching the point of burnout or when I've like, maybe super screwed up and I'm cranky (laughs) and I'm maybe projecting onto you and they know that it's not them personally. And like, we can work things out outside, like, you know, in our own relationship is, is important. But I also feel like this, the 10 of wands also maybe speaks to just like working through trust issues again. Um, I'm, I'm going back to that because it really is, it's another card that feels really isolating. Like you are doing it all on your own and it can be difficult to be willing to trust people to help you with your business. Cause I know you probably see this a lot. Like I refer to my businesses as my babies (laughs) because like I am child free. I will never have children. So like my businesses are my children. (laughs) So it can be difficult to trust other people with your babies. It's very difficult. And many entrepreneurs struggle with this, right? Think of your typical entrepreneur, right? It's somebody who's probably very driven, very bright, very good in their field. And usually they get tired of lining their boss's pocket, right? They see an opportunity. Well, I could do this better than them or whatever the Mm -hmm. case may be. So they go out on their own. So they're already quite driven people typically. And then they think, oh my gosh, well now, like you describe baby as an excellent term. I can't let anybody else touch this or watch this. So another phrase we use quite often is you're working 24-7, literally. Now what Mm -hmm. are you going to do? You're going to work 25-7 or you're going to hire some help, right? (laughs) What are you going to do? And that goes into a totally different skill, right? Back to your 10 stones. Okay, you've got to get all this stuff done. And as you have success, your problems grow right with you, right? I always say when you start off, your company's the size of a tennis ball, your problems are that big. When you get to a basketball, the problems Ooh, yeah. grew right with you, right? They didn't magically disappear. They just change. So now that you've got all this weight to carry, you need that support. You need that team. Make sure your family is on board. Make sure they know the sacrifices everybody's getting involved with, vacations. You know, Shannon, for me, right, I work tax season. So every yeah. January through April, we don't do anything. We don't have a social life. We don't, I mean, right. you know, see family or whatever, but we don't travel. I don't go on spring break, right? I don't do any of that stuff that my kids have calendar breaks for and things like that. And that's okay. I'm not complaining, but making sure you know those things when you go into it. And so getting the right people around you and learning how to delegate, that was something Mm. that took me a while to figure out, right? How to share this burden, how to get this stuff done, and then how to manage not only the processes and the workflow, but the people. That's a whole nother skill, right? That you don't read about in a book. You can take a management class, It's not going to tell you how to deal with this exact specific interpersonal conflict you're dealing with, right? So figuring that out, giving yourself some grace, you will fail. All of my biggest innovations typically came through failure. I'm not afraid of failure. I'm not ashamed of it. I could do five more hours of podcasting on my failures, right? But don't, don't be fearful of those. Embrace them and learn from them, right? That old saying, take your biggest weakness and turn it into your biggest strength. 
I love where you're going. So another card that I just pulled was actually the six of wands. So interesting. So two wands and, a, and pentacles. So the six of wands, like the chef, well, so upright, the six of wands is all about like success and like, you know, celebrating, you know, all this hard work and like the culmination of a project. But like the shadow aspect is this like sense of failure or maybe a fear of failure. So I would love to talk about that more because I feel like, so even from like a therapeutic perspective, when I'm working with clients, I have, we tend to attract like this people who are similar to us. So I tend to attract a lot of clients who really want to like start their own thing, be an entrepreneur. And so often they are getting in their own way because there's such an intense fear of failure. It's like they and I, I totally understand this. It's like, we have to know exactly how to do everything before we even do it. And the thought of failure is overwhelming. So for you to say, you know, all of my successes have come from failures is huge. And I think more people need to hear that because I think just the idea of failing stops us from living the life that we want to live. I agree. It's tough. It's very challenging to get over that fear, um, especially when you are first starting out. You know, what could end up being a molehill feels like a mountain, like, oh, my mm. gosh, I screwed this up for this account, this client. The world is going to stop spinning tomorrow. And yet it never does. Right. And so <laughs> what I tell people is once the mistake is committed, whatever that may be. And what happens as you grow is it's no longer just your mistakes. I now have a team of 11 people on my team. If anybody makes a mistake, my name is on the door. Mm -hmm. I have to own up and deal with it, pay the penalty, do whatever. Unless Amazon drops off a time machine at your house, and if they do, I would love <laughs> to borrow it. I would love that. Same, but anyway, please. <laughs> until they do, you have no control over that mistake. All that you can control is your reaction, right? Yeah. So another one of my corny sayings is just follow the golden rule in business. People yeah. often complicate that with money and egos, right? Well, I don't want to give up $5 or I don't want to admit it. That's fine. Then you're going to struggle, right? Mm. Just treat people how you would want to be treated. If somebody messed up on your paperwork or in my case, a tax return or something like that, I tell people, okay, if there's penalties, I will pay them. It's my fault. I don't yeah. like writing those checks, but it's my fault. I had one the other day, a very good longstanding client, been with me probably 12, 13 years, actually kind of a friend of mine now. I found a mistake on his return. I went and amended everything and I missed filing it, the statute of limitations, by three days. I'm not mm -hmm. making that up. The statute of limitations is three years. We were three days off. It cost him three grand. I didn't even hesitate. I wrote him a $3,000 check. I had many other things I wanted to do with that $3,000, <laughs> but there's no debate. It was my fault. If somebody else had done that and screwed up for me, I would hope they would take care of me, right? So how you react to those failures is what I find that matters. If you do everything in your power to make it right, people are generally understanding and forgiving. And I tell people, unique to my business, not yours, you deal with health and whatnot, but I tell people, I'm not a heart surgeon. Nobody dies in my office, right? We do taxes and bookkeeping. So if there's a mistake, we make it right. You know, and you're speaking like a therapist right now. <laughs> like the, seriously, a minute ago when you were like, you know, it, <laughs> the mistake itself might not matter, but like how you you can't control that it happened, but how you react to it is what's important. That is so like a therapist line. <laughs> like we can't, what happened happened. The only thing that we have control over now is how we move forward. And that's so true because I think in the beginning when you're, when you're in those early exciting planning stages of starting a business or you know, going on this entrepreneurial journey, you're 
filled with so much excitement. And then the reality hits and sets in like, oh, I could like fuck some shit up. Like, this is scary. (laughs) Maybe I just won't do it at all. And then, you know, then you're missing out on something that could be incredibly fulfilling or life changing. And like, I know for me, like even just like, of course, like being a therapist is a whole other ball game. Like I definitely had so many fears with that, but doing this podcast, it was like, oh God, people are going to listen. What if I say something that's like so shitty or like comes across like so wrong. And, you know, there's been things that have been said and people have actually like reached out and been like, Hey, can you add some clarification to this? What did you mean? And so, yeah, I'm like, of course, let me explain to you like my thoughts or like my former co-host thoughts. Like this is what we were thinking or feeling at the time. And people have been so receptive to that and been like, oh, okay, thank you for taking the time to explain what you meant by this. So I love that that's where you went with that because yeah, all we have to do is think, well, (laughs) we often think worst case scenario. So there's worst case scenario, best case scenario, and then the most realistic case scenario, you know, and that's where we need to be hanging out in that space of, okay, what's the most likely thing that's going to happen here? Thinking about worst case scenario, best case scenario, most realistic case scenario. A lot of times this happened to me recently. All of you who listen know what happened. You know, I started this podcast with a co-host and she decided to leave. And it's very easy for me to be like, oh God, like the worst case scenario. But really like hanging out in that space isn't going to solve anything. And it could have really harmed the podcast. It could have harmed like the business aspect of it. So, you know, I realized, well, okay, I can't control what happened. I can control what I do moving forward, but that's a whole other component here. You know, we talked a lot about feeling like you have to do things on your own, but there's a lot of things that go into starting a business when, or if you choose to do it with a partner. Yes. And I have a saying, one of my strongest ones that I have repeated hundreds of times throughout my career is partners are for dancing. They are not for business is my general (laughs) take on that. And if you talk to a divorce attorney, I'm sure they would tell you, don't ever get married. It's going to end horribly. And I'm not nearly that dramatic, but I have seen dozens and I mean, I'm not exaggerating dozens of corporate divorces and some go totally fine. Two people part ways. Somebody buys someone out. But most, I have one, I'm not kidding you, Shannon, one remaining partnership now of all of our clients. We're going to file over 250 corporate tax returns. I have one, well, I shouldn't say out of all 250 tax returns, I have one monthly partnership still going strong. And I've got, like I said, dozens of stories. If you need someone to help you get going, my advice is pay them and pay them well, right? That's why people show up to work every day is to make sure they can put food on their table So compensate that person. You can give them a profit sharing arrangement, right? But don't give them ownership, right? Mm -hmm. Don't do that. And that doesn't mean anybody is a good or bad person in this deal that you're right or wrong. It's just very difficult because you will reach a point where you hit an impasse, right? And somebody wants to go left, somebody wants to go right. And now what do we do? And usually what happens is you make a decision, we go left, Well, the person who wanted to go right is resentful, right? Mm. And that's going to build, that's going to fester, and it's going to manifest in other ways, usually comes to a head. If you are going to have a partner, which I would strongly talk you out of, but let's say it's a strategic thing and you don't have a choice. This person has a license or something you need. You need this person. And I tell people, map everything out. How do you get in? How do you do it while you're in? And then something nobody likes to talk about, how do you get out? What are you going to do? I tell people at the extreme, one of you is going to die first. 
Right. Now you're in business with their husband, their wife, their kids. Is that what you intended? Is their husband or wife a good business partner for you? Right. That kind of thing. So having a buy-sell agreement, having an operating agreement, this stuff is not cheap. You will pay thousands of dollars to get this drawn up, or you can pay tens of thousands of dollars at the back end 10 years from now when you're a success and you're trying to split up them. And now you're going through a corporate divorce. You're paying me my hourly rate to generate records, tax returns, attorneys. It's a nightmare and it it can often sour a very strong friendship. So if you lay everything out and, you know, set expectations, that's what people need. Set expectations. How do we get in? How do we do it while we're in? How do we get out? You know, it's so interesting because, uh, yeah, I think a lot of folks, well, you talking about friendships, will often start a business with a friend because they were sitting around, hanging out, saying, oh, wouldn't this be such a good idea? We should do that. And then they do it. And to hear you, and I'm like, damn, I'm one of those statistics now. <laughs> and then to hear you say, by the way, we only have one remaining partnership is so fascinating just from like a statistic perspective. So for you to have such intimate knowledge of something like that is really interesting. And I think, yeah, it's just like a word of caution. Like if you're thinking about doing this, maybe find a creative way to involve this person where where you're still like the owner, you're the one kind of like in charge. So like you said, down the road, it doesn't turn into this disaster that could potentially happen. I have a very brief story. It was a brother-sister partnership and they were fine. Everything was good. The the woman was married to a guy who was very abusive, terrible human being, mm. abusive to him, the kids, all this stuff. She had an aneurysm in her 40s. They found her dead in her kitchen, never shocked to everybody, terrible tragedy. The kids were minors. They had a buy-sell agreement drawn up by an attorney. No one signed it. I don't mm. know why, but no one signed it. So now the kids are minors. Now everything has to go through probate. Who's going to get half of this very valuable company? And guess who shows up? Deadbeat dad says, I'll take care of the kids. I'll manage the money. I'll do everything for them. And everybody on the planet did not want this guy involved. The kids didn't want, the kids were teenagers by now. The kids did not want him involved. And it ultimately worked out. The brother took over, did things and they worked out, but they spent tens of thousands of dollars on attorney's fees to get all of that straightened out. Had she signed, he could have gotten the life insurance money, paid the kids, put it into a trust. Everything would have been fine. Otherwise, the brother would have been in business kind of de facto with that old brother-in-law who was a piece of trash human being. Mm. So, and again, that's just one of, and I can keep you here for days with stories about that stuff. So if you do need a partner and that happens, I don't love it, but it happens from time to time. I can't talk somebody out of it. Just make sure you lay out that foundation, right? How are we going to do this and how are we going to split one day so that everybody's happy at the split? Yeah, I think that goes back to just talking about being in alignment and really being prepared and having that, having a good external team, you know, just when, I mean, finding an attorney, finding a CPA, like those are all things that you don't necessarily either think about in the beginning or even want to do because, you know, you've mentioned this and I've mentioned this, you know, you're all excited and really eager to like get this idea off the ground. The last thing that you want to be talking about or exploring is what do we do when it all goes to hell? Right. <laughs> you know? huh? But unfortunately, if you are wanting to 
really explore this entrepreneurial part of yourself, that's a component of it. And you do have to sit and talk about like the difficult stuff. It's just like, honestly, when you're getting into a new relationship with somebody, you have to talk about things that are uncomfortable. You know, if you have to talk about things that you like value that maybe this other person doesn't value and what your differences are and how you're going to handle disagreements. It's the same thing when you're in business, also like with yourself or other people. Absolutely. Yes. Right. If you were going to get engaged to somebody, married to somebody, you would have had countless conversations from do we want kids to something boring like what is your credit score? Right. Right. You would have all those talks in between. You were basically getting married in this business. Right. Mm. You were going to have a partner. They have certain inalienable rights. Right. You have to deal with them. Taxes, payroll, all kinds of things. Somebody and this is something else to just kind of be aware of. Are you a saver or a spender? We kind Mm. of joke, you know, it's like being gay or straight, you're probably not going to get talked into switching kind of thing. (laughs) So if you are one, that's neither good nor bad. It doesn't matter. But are you compatible, right? If you are the big saver, you really want to be in bed with a big spender in your business, right? And Mm. watch the bank account get drained on first class airline tickets when you took a rental car to that conference, (laughs) right? Or whatever it may be. And again, there is no right or wrong to this, right? It's just figuring out how am I going to operate Because you have enough headwinds as an entrepreneur, right? You've got enough struggles that you can conquer. We've all done it. And they're not always easy, but you can. Don't add any more headwinds, right? You need to execute on the little things you can control because there are so many things you can't control. Right. So I just pulled another card to me because like, you know, when you and I talk, we could talk for hours. <laughs> like, our, for sure. cause, you know, I talk to you, you know, throughout the year in our conversations, I always like schedule an hour in my calendar because it's like, I know Tony and I are going to chat. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the last card I pulled was the four of wands. And it's so interesting that I pulled so many wands. Oh my God. Okay. So four of wands is all about celebration and harmony. And I feel like that is a nice card to wrap up because, you know, we're talking about all the things that it's like, okay, you don't necessarily want to think about these things, you know, when you're wanting to start a business and do your own thing. So the four of wands really allows us to enjoy the fruits of our labor and figure out how we can celebrate all of our hard work. So I'm hoping like you can spend some time talking about like what that looks like when you're an entrepreneur. Like I know things that you've told me, but when we think about allowing ourselves to just enjoy what we've created, like what, how does that show up for you? So for me, it's freedom. That's what I value the most, right? That if I don't like a client, I can part ways with them, right? I'm not beholden to, I must do this. If I don't want to do a certain service anymore, right? Let's say I'm tired of doing IRS representation. I'm not at all. But let's say I was, I could phase that part of the business away, right? I could make that change if I wanted to. So for me, it is freedom. I very much value that. And in my opinion, the goal is to get to financial freedom mm. to say, hey, I'm going to work when I want to work. I'm going to work with the people I want to work with or the product, the service, whatever it may be for you. I think that's the ultimate goal is because if you've got freedom and you wake up and you decide what you want to do, when you want to do it. And I'm not saying you need money to go buy Lamborghinis in an island, right? That's a, you don't need to get to that status at all. But obviously, you've got to get out of that struggle phase, right, where you're just sweating making bills. And once you get past that, again, choosing what you want to do with your time through your business. But if you are a clinician and you are really tired of a certain segment of the population, you think, oh, I just don't want to deal with this anymore. It's very taxing on me, right? Mm -hmm. It's really draining me. I don't want to do A. I'd rather focus on B. 
being able to turn down the A's is very empowering. You know, that makes me think of, and another reason why I have really valued your guidance and wisdom and just in relationship is because I know I had reached a point in my therapy career where, you know, I was, I, I was working so much and so hard and I was so determined. And then I got burnt out <laughs> and I was like, I cannot do this. And, you know, I come from a family where, you know, it was like, you keep going, you keep going, you know, it's never enough. And I always had this like, like fear of financial insecurity. So that's really why I was overdoing it. And I remember having conversations with you where you just like gave me permission to not work as much, which I feel like is bizarre coming from a CPA. (laughs) Like, I don't know, like maybe it's not, but there was something so empowering about that when you were like, yeah, you know what? Maybe you just slow down for the next six months. Maybe you slow down for the next year. And I don't know if I've I've ever shared this with you, but you you giving me permission to do that was honestly like I don't know. It, it allowed me to be like, okay, like he sees my books, like it's fine. Whereas like when you're doing this all on your own, you might be really freaked out and think, oh, I'm not allowed to take a break, especially because I'm I'm a business owner. And it's not that I took a full break and I didn't see you know, any clients, I just significantly reduced my caseload to the point where I was just making enough money to make sure the bills were paid and then I could buy groceries and pay my rent. And, you know, I just wasn't bringing in money for like a bunch of luxuries or shopping or whatever. And that was fine because I didn't need that at this point in my life. I needed to just relax. So I feel like that also plays into this four of wands card is just allowing yourself to sit and enjoy what you have already done and created and give yourself an opportunity to recharge for the next phase. I think it circles back to value, Mm. right? Your value shifted on that, right? There was a time where you needed that cash or that cash was more valuable to you than your own time. And what I find, and I'm very lucky, I hang out with smart entrepreneurs all day long. That's all I do. So I'm just a sponge. I soak up their life lessons, Mm -hmm. their advice. I am constantly listening to them. And something I observe from the generation older than me, right? None of them, and this is a pretty common thing that's well known. None of them look back and say like, man, I wish I'd have worked more, right? Right. It's always, (laughs) you know, man, I I wish I'd have gone to more of my kids' soccer games, those vacations, So I've tried to rebalance that myself. And it's not easy. It's not. As much as I could stand here and say, I've got a team. They help me get things done. I still have my OCD things, right? Things that I want to control or I need to be involved. I need to call that client. And again, the world keeps spinning. So figuring out what is valuable to you. And that changes over time, right? If you have no kids and then have kids, it's Mm -hmm. a dramatic change, right? A very dramatic change. Not only... I had a buddy used to tell me, he goes, I know you think you're busy because you work a lot. You have no kids. You have no idea what busy is. I didn't get that until now I have two kids. And my wife and I will joke, like, what did we used to do on Saturdays? Like, would we just like sit around? Like, what did we used to do? Anyway, so figuring out that value for you, now you need a plan to get there, right? Right. So if your value is taking Fridays off, how do you make the other four days work for you? You're going to do four tens. Or are you going to hire somebody and get supplemental income from them? You're going to get passive activities. What are you going to do to to get there? But figuring out that value and what's important and then chase that. How do you implement Mm -hmm. to get there? I love that. How do you chase that? I feel it's interesting how this conversation has really circled back to values. And I feel like that's where just a lot of life conversations end up existing in that space. Just what do you value? And have you even reevaluated what you value recently? And I love that you brought up that it could change, that it's fluid. It's not necessarily static. So that's really important. 
Well, in a plan, you need a plan, right? It doesn't have to be etched in stone. It can be thrown to the wayside and scrapped for a new one. It can be amended. That's fine. But if you don't have a plan, my dad and I will always joke, no one's going to come with a magic wand and fix all of our problems at the firm, right? right? If you don't fix these things, if you don't put the plan into action and get help with your plan, right? Talk to your spouse, talk to your accountant, your attorney, your mentor, your colleague, your competitor, your friends with, whoever Mm. it may be, make sure you're not way off base, but try and come up with that plan and then don't be afraid to fail. That is my last big one. Don't be afraid. The world will keep spinning. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today and sharing your knowledge. I always just really enjoy having a conversation with you. So can you just share where people can can find more about you and the services that you offer? Sure, sure. And thank you so much. And this was fun, as it always is, chatting with you. So our website is Cola, like my last name, C-O-L-A, Cola, C-P-A dot com. And then that's got a link to my email address. You can read about the firm, our bios, all that stuff. We are in Little Safety Harbor, Florida, down by Tampa Bay. So if anybody needs help out there, just reach out. Thank you so much for listening to The Tarot Diagnosis. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok under the handle at The Tarot Diagnosis and join us while we pull daily cards and explore tarot and mental health in between podcast episodes. You can also subscribe to our podcast to make sure that you never miss an episode. If you have a topic or question that you'd like for us to explore on the podcast, you can contact us directly on our website, www.thetarotdiagnosis.com. 